0: Here at SEC Media Days, of course, with the great Billy Lucci from TechSags. And Lucci, and m on day number one. Uh, we'll get to the players, we'll get to the offense. Uh, you know, you and I have been talking about this, it feels like, for years now, but F- Fisher, it, he, he, Jimbo Fisher, it's like he just can't stop talking sometimes. And, you know, everyone's going to get stuck on the whole, like, well, I hopefully, hopefully he's calling plays. Is, is that just Jimbo being Jimbo, people making too much of it? Or, like, is he actually trying to keep something from everybody?
1: He's, Bobby Petrino is going to call plays. I'm absolutely convinced of that. I've I've talked to many people about it. I think Jimbo's excited about it. The whole, I think he's very excited about the hire, the addition of Petrino, the addition of Jim Chaney, um, what it's allowed him to do this spring. I think he loved coaching the way he was able to coach this spring. I also think he's going to be heavily involved in the offense. You don't think those three, they're going into the lab, man, like every day, along with James Coley, who's been an OC at, what, Miami and Georgia. This is a, I think they're having a lot of fun. He's having a lot of fun coaching offense and sitting in the room with a couple guys that like talking about it and diving into it as much as he does. You know, at some and these, actually, it'll never change, don't we? get to a point where you know how someone's personality is and you know, in my opinion, I could be wrong, you know that if you feel like you're being challenged daily by a group in the media that haven't spent the whole bunch of time in the last couple years writing very good things about you and then they're trying to get, hey coach, can you tell us how the offense with you running it only scored this many points last year and tell us how you know, you have to step back you know i i get where you're gonna be standoffish and you're gonna not want to give in even though i also understand by just saying yeah here's how we're gonna do it i don't i don't really see what that would hurt and it would quiet it all down but i think it's gotten to a point where like guys we we know jimbo when do you you think if you ask the question for the 107th time Versus the hundred and six you're gonna get another answer and yet and then we all sit here and talk about it after the fact and Yeah, do I wish he would just say something and be done just so we didn't have to do this Yeah, am I at all thinking that it's gonna be status quo for them offensively and Bobby Petrino's a figurehead
0: hell no And again, that's why I didn't want to say like was that real? Like, the question is like why are you know, if you know Jimbo enough, he just sometimes talks, and he just and my wife will tell you that I've done that plenty of times before. So, so yeah, so it, it just happens. I guess the, the key is, I mean, Anaya Smith talked a little bit about how different the offense is going to be, and he kind of just said like, look, it's going to be different. We can't really tell you how different. Um, I'm assuming that includes things like tempo. Uh, Bobby Petrino always had a power rushing attack, no matter where he's been. He's always played off of the power rushing attack. So, is there any? Do you get, do you have any? You know, now that Media Days is here, are there any? Again, same things you and I have talked about, but I'm curious if you think there's anything you can pinpoint in terms of what it's going to look like differently, tempo, what are the things that are going to be different with the, the, the collection of players, new quarterback, new off- offensive back, all that stuff.
1: I think you're talking about things like tempo, different types of motion, setting things up, the, the progression of those plays. People forget – Here's what, everybody wanted AM fans wanted Jimbo to hire – out of the chute, Garrett Riley. What had just happened at TCU, and I think it's a great hire for Clemson. I think those are the two best hires. Bobby Petrino, Bama's over here hiring Reese. South Carolina, I like Kentucky's hire, but Bobby Petrino, like what he's done as a coach, and, and by the way, continues, if people want to point out Missouri State, they don't understand the history of Missouri State or the lack thereof and what they did under him. I think that the biggest difference is going to be that, for, like schematically, and you mentioned the power run game, the use of the tight ends, they're very like-minded. Had he, I think, Garrett, the world of Garrett Riley, he hadn't done it on the big stage very long. Had Jimbo hired him, not knowing really anything about him, I think as soon as push comes to shove on a Saturday in SEC game, he's taking it back. I don't think that's the case with Bobby. He's coached against Bobby. He saw Petrino scored 63 on them at Florida State at Louisville. He knows what Jim Chaney is, you know, Georgia, Georgia, Tennessee, Arkansas, Purdue. So I think this was the way Jimbo needed to do it to get the most out of it and to be all in. So schematically and philosophically they're similar. I think what comes now are the different ideas. You mentioned the tempo. I think maybe – the verbiage to get plays, the, the, the speed and processes at which to get plays in quicker to avoid, you know, delay a game after a kickoff or coming out of a timeout or in that to get that tempo going. So I think it's it's more that than it will be anything else.
0: I, I want to ask you about kind of the state of Texas and, and Texas and Oklahoma coming in because that's like everywhere. And of course, Aggie, every Aggie player was asked about it. And yeah. Smith threw some horns down, which clearly should not be a penalty um, but I think I'm just curious in the West like if I look at and not even just the West I could include Tennessee Kentucky South Carolina in this conversation that there's such a healthy middle class A&M has the best players of any team in that middle class and if I said to you like which teams bubble up to the surface of that middle class challenge LSU Georgia Alabama as that top tier like, you can include A&M in this, but I, I genuinely want your opinion on who else you think – like, who are the teams from a very crowded 8- or 9- or 10-team field that you think actually bubble up to the top and, and are challenging the top three? It's
1: a good question. I, I, think, I think A&M would be in that – A&M's ceiling, I think, is that of, like, one of these New Year 6, 10-2 with a chance to go 11-2 and two type thing. I think that's their – you know, I, you look at their schedule, they can beat anybody they play problem is there's a lot of them they could lose to on an off day, too, and you know you're going to have those off days in the SEC. The question is, is A&M, uh, can they overcome off days? Because that goes beyond talent. And then you come into quarterback play, culture. So that will be the, that'll be the, the tell. Um, this year, I, I like the sound of Kentucky.
0: Do you too? No, I do too. And uh, Cole Kublik, there's a lot of people like are all kind of like, you know, you got the quarterback. You got the coordinator. You got pretty good skill weapons. Stoops is going to fix the defense. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm you're the one answering here, so I'll let you go.
1: No, I wanted to hear you because I, you know, I just I like the the I, and I like their OC hire um, coming back. I, I like, and, and I and I'm not fully bought in on South Carolina. Look. I I Beamer one of my favorite coaches and I root for him um, I'm not fully bought in I know they beat they beat a down A M and m team barely when AM spotted them 17 on the road loved what they did against Tennessee and Clemson but I don't know I don't want to call it fool's gold because they just kicked their ass and outplayed them I just think we're getting a year ahead on that rebuild or or construction project if I'm picking a second one I, I'm not. I'm not all in on Arkansas. I love Jefferson. I like Jefferson, I don't love. If I'm picking a second one, I. Gosh, is it?
0: I. Is it Ole Miss? This, this is what I'm saying. Like. Tennessee, pretty good. Ole Miss, pretty good. Arkansas, pretty good. Auburn's going to be better. Mississippi State's got a bunch of seniors, but they're changing. Like what? What? Who's it going to be?
1: I'll go. I'll go with Ole Miss for just some reason. I, they have experience at QB. I don't think Jackson Dart played well against a I M. I saw a lot of games where he didn't. Uh, great running game out of that spread, but they also. Got whooped up on a few times down the stretch. I don't. I think it's a very crowded. Like you said, there's like an upper middle class that's really crowded, and that's, that's a great question. And you start looking at it, and you go, who has the most talent? Who has the least amount of holes? And A and M certainly might be the first that comes to mind. But at the same time, you got to go well. But they did lose seven games last year for a reason. So we have to see it. But I think, you know, if they can get quarterback play, then that team's A&M.
0: I have gone round and round on the West. I feel like A&M's the one because of the players. I think Tennessee has a high floor because the offense just automatically is going to give them 38 against, especially against teams that they have better players than. And then Kentucky I think is the one where like if they get it all right, it could all be really really special. So I lived for 6 years in Texas. You've lived your whole life in Texas and obviously Next year, SEC Media Day is going to be in Dallas, which is pretty cool for the state of Texas and for for Oklahoma and Texas to join the league. And uh, I'm, The Aggie players in particular got asked about what's it like, but not just them. Everyone's being asked. Every player at LSU being asked about this on day number one, which is just sort of like, what what is? It, are they ready for it? What is it going to be like? How excited are you for it? And I know as a kid in middle school going to Texas, Texas A&M games, like, just how much that means to people. And I, don't, I still don't think people fully grasp what it means to have these two teams back together that are not aware of it. and I, can you, Do you have any like anecdotes from childhood? Like is there a story you can tell that like tries to illustrate to a Missouri fan? Or to, I guess maybe Missouri is a bad example. They might actually understand it. But a South Carolina fan or a Tennessee fan or a Kentucky fan who just doesn't get what this thing means to people?
1: They just added two of the three biggest rivalries in the SEC. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, you got the Iron Bowl. I know the cocktail party. I know Tennessee-Bama. I don't care. They added the the league just went Texas, Texas, A&M-Texas, Texas-OU, and the Iron Bowl are now the three biggest rival. And the Egg Bowl is up there as well. Um, But I believe two of the three biggest. When you start playing A&M in Texas again, it's why I went to A&M. I was going to A&M or Texas. I didn't care. I didn't have. I was going to go study engineering. They're both really good. They're both within a couple hours of Houston, where I grew up. I went to Bonfire uh, the year before. I saw A&M go for two with Bucky Richardson in the win in Austin and lose. Went to Bonfire a couple days later. I'm watching the game on TV with the family friends that were all Longhorns and uh, Marcus Buckley pick 6 on the first play of the game for the Aggies at Kyle Field. Place was going nuts. I had had so much fun at the bonfire. I said I should've been at that game and I said that just I love that place. I want to go. Lived with Dan Campbell when he gave the bonfire speech uh, a few years later. That was, you know, just the craziness of all that. Uh, I was there helping with a lot of the A&M football team. My roommates at the time moved logs off the bonfire when it fell in uh, Texas. And Mac Brown were so incredible that week in terms of how they handled the, the loss and the game and everything. So I've been, I've got a million stories down on the field before a game when one of the late great A&M players, uh, Chris Dowson, was the band tried to block the A&M players path to the locker room and he shoved down about 20 band members back when you could do something like that without everyone crying about it on Twitter you got knocked down get your ass back up sorry your trumpet got bent but things like that and saying some things that I probably can't say on air and you never could but that was the rivalry you know I remember Texas players dancing on the field. I remember the Aggies dancing on the Longhorn logo the following year this is I love that it's coming. I had no desire to play them when they were in the Big 12. They needed the life raft, get that home game every other year that mattered. Their home schedule stinks in the Big 12 without OU. Why help them, especially when they canceled the rivalry when you left for the SEC out of pettiness? Now they're all coming. None of them will admit that A&M made the smart decision 11, 12 years ago But now that they're here, I'm like, let's get that game going. It's going to be incredible for the state of Texas. It's going to be incredible for the Aggies, incredible for the Longhorns and the conference. And And, and,
0: and Oklahoma. I think I was there in in Austin in sixth. It would have been sixth and eighth grade. And I want to say in 95, 96, it was like a 56 to 10. It was Ricky Williams, Priest Holmes, and, and like all in the same backfield. And like you just learn about college. I mean, I'm not kidding. I learned how to cuss. At a Texas-Oklahoma game with the Stony Stand in Dallas, like I was 12 years old, and my dad's like, "Stop listening to, to the to the to the crowd." It's, I mean, that's just what it what it means to the what it means to all the different parts of it, and to have it uh, in the state. Last one, and I'm asking everybody this, and I'll let you go. And I appreciate your time. Texags, of course, is the website. Make sure you check it out. Um, Georgia anybody beat them um can they handle the noise last year they were disrespected quote unquote actually could make the case that they were they weren't picked to win it they were picked number three they had their quarterback back all these things you know now they don't have any of that stuff and a bunch of noise um do so the question is 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 it the sec regular season schedule is it the championship game is it the playoff where do they where do they get got and how or, or does it not happen at all I want to say they got in the championship game
1: by a better quarterback, by a, a, you know, but here's the thing. So instead, what I'm going to go with is they, the field. I'm going to take the field of that whole schedule. I'm going to say Georgia loses one. I don't know who it is. I know they, they should have lost, should maybe shouldn't have, but almost lost to Missouri last year. A game like that, that they lose. Bama at a and a couple of years ago. I think they lose one, and I think they win. They peat I think they win the whole thing.
0: That's that's the first 3 peat we've had so far on the on the show this week. So so every, everybody's picking a loss in in the playoff, which I think is you know they almost happened last year. So the, the key is who around college football has the formula. We shall see. Uh, Luke appreciate you, man. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening, everybody. I've-